Good evening, friends, and welcome to the Forest Hill Church of God's annual Good Friday celebration. Hope that you're prepared to worship with us tonight in this uh, most ancient celebration of our faith. Today we remember the suffering and the death of the Lord Jesus and His sacrifice for us on the cross. There are a couple things that we would invite you to have on hand as you prepare to worship with us tonight as we begin. Um, one is going to be your communion elements. At the close of the evening service, we'll be celebrating Holy Communion together. Now, some of you stopped by the church earlier this week and picked up some prepackaged elements. So if you did that, go ahead and have those uh, on hand in front of you. Others of you uh, have acquired your own elements. Um, anything, if you have grape juice or some form of bread on hand, just go ahead and have those ready. And uh, when we come to the close of the service, we'll take a moment and bless the elements and we will celebrate the Lord's table together. Another thing that I would invite you to have on hand, if, if you would like, is a candle. Here on the communion table, we have the Christ candle that is lit. Uh, you remember the Christ candle from our Advent season and our Christmas season. We light that on the service closest to Christmas to remind us that the light of Christ is coming to the world. The light of Christ is still with us. Tonight, however, when we read the gospel reading about the death of Jesus, our reader will extinguish the flame of that candle and we will leave it unlit until we gather again on Sunday morning for our Easter celebration. So we would invite you to go ahead and light the candle just as we've done here on the communion table representing the presence of Christ with us who've gathered for worship. Uh, I want to open us with a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on our time and then we'll go straight into the liturgy of the night. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who on this very day gave Himself up for us and our salvation. Lord, we come in His name and we come for His honor and glory tonight to gather in worship. And we pray that You would bless our time together. We pray that, Lord, You would uh, cause Your Spirit to be poured out on us who've gathered because we love You. Even though we're scattered all around our county tonight, we pray that You would command Your blessing on us and that Your Spirit and presence would be with us in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Tonight is the most ancient celebration of the church. It is a celebration of Holy Communion and it will follow an ancient format of readings and music. We're going to read tonight from four places. Uh, once I lead us in a psalm reading, we'll be reading from the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, and then from the New Testament, two readings. One will be from the Gospel and one will be from the Epistle. At the end, we'll celebrate Holy Communion together, which is something the church has done since the very beginning of its history. But in reality, the tradition is even older than that because our tradition of coming to the Lord's table for communion dates back even further. It's tied to the Passover feast, which is all the way back in the antiquity of Israel's history. It is interesting to me tonight that all of us are worshiping, not in our sanctuary where we would love to be and where we normally gather on Good Friday, but we're worshiping in our homes and our living rooms. What's interesting about that is the Passover meal was always celebrated in the homes of God's people. In fact, the first Lord's Supper, the last supper of Jesus was celebrated in the upper room of a home, probably the home of uh, John Mark's mother in Jerusalem. And so tonight of all nights for us to be worshiping at home, how appropriate for us to be worshiping in our houses tonight. So if we ought to feel relaxed and in our own space anytime, it should be tonight. Tonight is the night when God's people have often gathered to worship with their families around their own uh, living room tables. So join us tonight, if you will. Pesach or Passover always began with the youngest member of the family asking the head of the household a series of questions. And the first question was this, why is this night different from all other nights? 
And the host would answer with the words from Deuteronomy chapter 6, saying, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And He brought us out from there that He might bring us in and give us the land that He swore to give to our fathers. But tonight is not only the feast for the Jewish nation, it is the feast for the church of Jesus Christ as well. 1 Corinthians reminds us, For indeed Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Indeed, this night is different from all other nights. Our service tonight will follow the ancient pattern of readings and songs and end with communion. After that final reading, when we celebrate communion together, we will conclude with a, a moment of thanksgiving and song. And I would ask that if all possible, that you would uh, not break at any point in the service, but stay with us all through, all through the liturgy tonight, all through the music, all through communion. And even though this is happening in our homes and we are in a more relaxed atmosphere, I would urge you along with all of us, let's celebrate communion with the dignity and the reverence that the Bible insists that uh, such a moment deserves. And so let's prepare to begin. Tonight, I want to invite you to read with me responsibly from the Psalms. We're going to be reading from Psalm 130. It's an ancient lament and a prayer uh, for pardon and forgiveness and for God's favor. A lament is written in a time of suffering and grief. Our culture, our community right now is in such a season. And so Psalm 130 is a great prayer for us to pray together. I'm going to read um, the first, the opening verse, and then Shay will lead you in the congregational response. You'll see it there on your screen. And our friends, our readers who are reading the passages are gathered with us tonight, and they're going to help us read. So let's respond together from God's Word. Let's read Psalm 130. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O oh Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O oh Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is abundant redemption. And He shall redeem Israel from all His iniquities. Amen. Would you pray with me again? Merciful Father, creator of all the peoples of the earth, lover of our souls, we ask that you would have compassion on all who do not know you as you are revealed in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that your gospel would be preached with grace and power to those who have not heard it, and that you would turn the hearts of those who resist it. Lord, we ask you to bring to your fold those who have gone astray, that there may be one flock under one shepherd, Jesus Christ our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Worship with us tonight in song, and then we'll hear the reading from the law. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. And I won't hunger anymore. At his table, everyone say, I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will. 
his table, at his table. Come on, you weary, come on, you from the law, Exodus chapter 12. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. 
Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a year old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency. urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the, la in the land of Egypt. I will, I will execute, execute judgment against the all gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague, the plague of, the, of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember each of the generation to generation. You must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. Remember, these instructions for a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe the ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does the ceremony mean? And you will reply, it, it, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, and he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And through he stuck, and, and through, and though he struck, he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families, when Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshiped. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. Shameful sin placed on him. 
53.12 See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. Many were amazed when they saw him, beaten and bloodied. So disfigured, one would scarcely know he was a person. And he will again startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not previously been told about. They will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot sprouting from a root in dry and sterile ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with bitterest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins, that he was suffering their punishment? He had done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and fill him with grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have a multitude of children, many heirs. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of what he has experienced, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of one who is mighty and great, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among those who were sinners. He bore the sins of many and interceded for sinners. The word of God for the people of God. 
Yeah. 
We will be reading Matthew 27, 27 through 54. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes about throwing dice. They sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their hands in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from that cross. The leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also mocked him. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell in the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders understood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up for him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At the moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They, were left, they left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, This man truly was the Son of God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains with me say Oh, they're guilty, say. 
Hebrews 10, 16 through 25, the New Living Translation. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with true water let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Jesus Christ. No shadow remains for shame to hide. Redemption shown for all to see. Perfection bore our penalty with a grace so glorious.
Thank you, friends, for joining tonight in these times of worship. I hope you've been blessed by every song and every reading tonight. We have heard from the Psalms. We've heard from the Law and the Prophets. We've also heard from the New Testament, the Gospel, and now the Epistle. And we've responded by lifting our hearts to the Lord in song. Tonight, as we begin to approach the Lord's table and we prepare for this time of Holy Communion, um, I hope you'll turn your heart with me toward the Lord in this time. We've celebrated this together, and um, I invite you tonight to just ask God's blessing once again as we draw close to His table. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You tonight for this holy evening, and we pray that, Lord, You would bless us as we prepare to receive the body and the blood of Christ that was given for us. Lord, we ask You tonight that You would, you would meet us with abundant grace and help us that we might celebrate this in a manner worthy of your sacrifice. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
I want to ask you tonight, why is this night different from all other nights? Tonight we've heard from the law, the prophets, the gospel, and the epistle. We saw how that Moses prefigured our Lord's death with the picture of the Passover lamb. We heard how Isaiah predicted the vicarious suffering of the servant of the Lord. We've heard Matthew recount for us the facts of this Friday's world-changing events. And from the Hebrew writer, we've heard expounded the meaning of our Lord's death for all His people. Surely now we can understand why this night is indeed different from all other nights. But not everyone knows that. The children of Israel had no way of knowing that just as the blood of that Passover lamb had rescued them from death, that a future Passover lamb, God's own son, would shed his blood to rescue us from sin and death. To this day, the Jewish people do not understand to whom Isaiah's prophecy refers when it describes the one who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Those standing around the cross fail to understand that they were witnessing history's most important event. And most of those to whom Paul preached the message of the gospel, to them it sounded quite foolish and unimpressive. But of all people, we are most blessed. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. We hear Jesus speaking from the cross. His dying words have become words of life for us. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, so that our rebellion could be pardoned. He tells the thief beside him, Today you will be with me in paradise. And we know that his cross, his cross means that we too now have the hope of heaven. He is separated from his earthly family and he cries, Woman, behold your son, so that we will never be separated again from our heavenly Father, but rather be adopted into God's family forever. He cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now we cry in amazement, My God, why have you accepted me? He cries, I thirst, so that we could drink from the fountain of life and our hearts be satisfied with the water of salvation. He declared it is finished because the end of His work on the cross means the beginning of a new life for us. He prays, Father, into Your hands I commend my spirit. And He teaches us that God loves us so much that we can safely surrender our entire lives into His hands. And we can even surrender our spirit to Him on the final moment of our lives. Jesus, the bread of life, hungered so that we would be filled. Jesus, the fountain of life, was thirsty so that we could be satisfied. Jesus, the power of God, grew weak that we might be strong. Jesus, the truth, was accused of false witness that we might be declared righteous. Jesus, the healer, was wounded that we might be restored. Jesus, the very source of life, died so that we might live. Why is this night different from all other nights? Because we were slaves. And the Lord brought us out with a mighty right hand. That's why this night is so different. Tonight we're invited to believe the gospel. If you've repented of your sins and surrendered your life to Christ, if you have uh, never done that, if you've never trusted the gospel, if you've never believed on His death for forgiveness, I invite you to do that for the very first time. If you've wandered away, if you've strayed back into the old paths of sin and made a mess of everything since you stopped attending church, I invite you to believe it again. If despite your sincere efforts to follow Christ and your best attempts to obey God, you have failed or faltered sometime this week, believe it like you did the very first night you trusted Jesus. 
Here is love vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, where the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood. Who his love will not remember? Who can cease to bring his praise? Who he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy float a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. And heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. The hymn writer reminds us of this great truth. The writer of Scripture reminds us as well. Paul tells Titus in the third chapter of his letter, For we ourselves were once also foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hating and hateful and hating each other. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we could become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Tonight, thanks to Calvary, there is a remedy for our sins. We don't have to hide them, make excuses for them. We don't have to blame others for them, and we don't have to wallow in them. Instead, we can confess them. We can nail them to His cross. We can wash our hearts clean in His precious blood. Zechariah 13.1 predicted, In that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. Thank God there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Oswald Chambers once wrote, If the Spirit of God detects anything in you that is wrong, He does not ask you to put it right. He asks you to accept the light, and He will put it right. A child of the light confesses and stands bared before God. A child of the darkness says, Oh wait, I can explain that. Honest, humble, barefaced confession. It's the only one step, but it is the first step, the next step on the journey to wholeness and holiness before the Lord. And it is the way we approach the Lord's table. Max Licato writes, Confession is a radical reliance on grace, a proclamation of our trust in God's goodness. If our understanding of grace is small, our confession will be small. Reluctant, hesitant, hedged with excuses and qualifications, full of fear of punishment, but great grace creates an honest confession. As we come to the Lord's table tonight, I invite us to look in three different directions. Number one, we look in. We look into our own hearts and we confess our sins and we ask for forgiveness and cleansing and healing. And number two, we look around. We look around to others. When we forgive others who've harmed us, we release them from the debt that we are quite convinced that they owe us. Not because they don't owe us, but because our Father has forgiven us the debt that we owed Him. And He insists that we do the same for one another. And then lastly, we look up when we come to the Lord's table. We believe the good news of the gospel, that all our sins was laid on, were laid on Jesus, that the record of all our transgressions were nailed to the cross, and that we've been rescued from the penalty and the power of the crimes of our past. By the cross, Jesus has delivered us, rescued us. He has saved us. So tonight, as we, as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, I invite you to make an honest confession of your heart to the Lord. I'm going to lead us in a moment of confession, and then I'm going to invite you to join me in a prayer of David from Psalm 51, and we'll pray that together. Would you bow your hearts as we prepare to confess our sins to the Lord? 
Dear Heavenly Father, we lower our heads before you and we confess that we too often have forgotten that we're yours. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, in what we've done and what we've left undone. We have failed to love you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have failed to be an obedient church. For the sins that we most painfully remember and confess, Lord, forgive us. For the sins that we can remember no longer, forgive us of those as well. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry. They're too real to hide. They're too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed and grant us the grace to know more and more your likeness and your image to grow in your likeness and favor through Jesus Christ our Lord, the light of the world. Amen. Take a moment now and allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. If there's anything between your soul and Him, any sin that needs to be confessed, take a moment in the silence and lift your heart up to the Lord. Any way in which you've not loved the Lord with all your heart or your neighbor as yourself, anything you've done that you should not have done, anything you failed to do that you ought to have done, Search our hearts, Lord. Come and cleanse us. Purify us by your Spirit. Would you join me tonight in the prayer of David, Psalm 51? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Hear the promise of God's Word. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God for the forgiveness we've received through His grace tonight. Tonight I greet you with a pastoral greeting for communion. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. It is our duty and solemn delight to come before His presence and thank Him for the mercy He has shown us by sending His Son, the Lord Jesus. Whenever we gather at the Lord's table, the Bible says that we proclaim a great mystery. We are reminding ourselves of the core tenet of our faith. And so I invite you to share in that tonight. What is the mystery we proclaim? It is simply this. Say it with me, friends. Christ has died. Christ has risen Christ will come again. Let's say that together one more time. The mystery of our faith is this. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Amen. Would you pray with me tonight the prayer that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hear the invitation of the church for for a thousand years now. You who do truly and earnestly repent of your sins, you who are in love and charity with your neighbors, and who intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God, walking from henceforth in His holy ways, draw near with faith and receive this holy sacrament to your comfort. Tonight I invite you to prepare the elements that you have as we prepare our hearts to receive the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. For those of you who have the prepackaged elements, I invite you to take the very top layer off there. and You'll find the very top cellophane layer exposes um, the wafer, the piece of bread that we'll celebrate with in just a moment. And then go ahead and open the bottom as well. The bottom reveals the juice from the cup. You'll go ahead and remove that as well and set it there in front of you. In just a moment, we'll lift our heart up to the Lord and we'll celebrate together. And I'll lead us as we take... In turn, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. Would you join me once again as we, as we pray? Father, tonight we thank you for your promise that when we draw close to you by the blood of Jesus, that you will give us access into the very presence and throne of God. So Father, tonight we ask that you would help us who've come worshiping you as best we know how, who've confessed our sins and believed your promises in the gospel to receive these elements in a way worthy of all that they signify. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after the supper was ended, He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This as do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. Jesus said in John's gospel, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven, that if one may eat of it and not one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Lord, may you cause this to be for us, the body of Christ broken for us in Jesus' name. Now would you receive with me the body of the Lord Jesus? In the same way, I invite you to take the cup. St. Peter says in his first epistle, For you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, 
Through Him you believe in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Lord, would you cause this to be for us, the blood of Christ shed for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to take the cup and receive with me there in your home. Now once again, would you in your own way declare your own praise and thanksgiving to the Lord and let's lift our heart up to Him. Father, we love you and bless you. We thank you tonight, Lord Jesus, for this holy opportunity to be able not only to participate in a very ancient tradition that stretches all the way back to the first Passover, all the way back to the first time that you gathered with your disciples around the table, but also, Lord, a reality that stretches all over the world as believers on every continent from every tribe, tongue, nation are gathering tonight somewhere around the world to take the Lord's table seriously and to take the bread and take the cup and celebrate what you've won for us by your death on the cross. Lord, we thank you tonight that we have the opportunity, though scattered as a congregation, to celebrate in our homes just as those first Passover believers did so long ago. We pray tonight that you would seal to our hearts the promises of the gospel the forgiveness of sin, freedom, Lord in Christ, the new birth, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, deliverance from our enemies, final salvation when we step across the veil into heaven. Thank you for all these promises. And Lord, we pray tonight that you would bless us. Lord, we pray that you would bless our community tonight. As we've celebrated, we believe that there are great benefits to your body and blood, not only for us, but for our community. And Lord, tonight, just as this has been a sacrament for us, we pray that your church would be a sacrament for our community tonight. We pray that in the midst of this, you would push back, Lord, the current health care crisis we find ourselves in. We pray tonight especially for health care workers who are in harm's way. We pray for those who have been diagnosed with a sickness. We pray for those tonight who are fighting and striving to recover. We pray for uh, scientists and doctors who are on the front line trying to figure out how to best cope with all this. We pray for our government leaders who are trying to lead us in making good decisions to flatten the curve of the progress of this illness. Lord, we pray tonight that you would bless your people wherever they gather and that, Lord, you would bring a quick end to this and you would enable us to soon again join in your house and to not be exiled in our homes anymore, but to be able to gather with your people. And we'll bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Well, let's sing this hymn of the faith together tonight. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's sing this together. with me say what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus out the part say
come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As you wait for the crown Tell the world of the treasure you found Sing, oh come Oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open Forgiveness Forgiveness Was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Tonight, as we prepare to close in worship, tonight I want to leave you uh, with this closing greeting from, uh, from the Word of the Lord. By His stripes we are healed. By His wounds we are made whole. So go in the name of Jesus Christ and live in the salvation made possible by the goodness of this Good Friday. May the love of God the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. I'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock for our parking lot prayer gathering. And then we'll gather again online Easter Sunday, 10 for the kids, 10.30 for the adults. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.